what what you tell those people the one of the best thing to do the people that do really well is to educate their consumers okay so you can tell the consumer what i'm telling you we're going to have to sell it to you before it's ready right but you can store it in your refrigerator for 21 days and then a minimum of 14 days no less than about 21 days before you use it before you eat it Welcome to MeatsPad, a platform dedicated to sharing breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the meats industry. On each episode, we will hear from meat specialists and professionals to talk about numerous topics in meat science. This podcast is brought to you by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Ultrasource, the new standard for innovation. FiscoFan is a global leader and innovative partner in the food industry who provides solutions for the casing market. Hello, me folks. Welcome back to the Mispad Podcast. Today, we're still on day two uh, during these uh, RMC 75. And I'm, I'm just glad that I ran into, into you. Actually, we're, I, I ran into Dr. Gerard. He's like, you already had me on the podcast. Why don't you have Dr. Komari on the podcast and pick his brain? So... Dr. Kamari, welcome to, to the podcast. It's an honor to have you. Thank you. The honor is mine. Um, we were just discussing, because we can talk pretty much about everything. Right. Uh, I know you've done a lot of research um, in tenderness and meat quality in the past. Right. And you were, you were telling me about a little bit of the of the of your history. But I think we can start from where you are right now uh, and some of the folks that, that you were you're right now based out of Clay Center in Nebraska. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, where is uh, in the professional life? You're doing a lot of food safety work now, but I guess we can start from there and we can just move on. The How topic. far back do you want to go? So I, <laughs> I was originally from Iran. I was born and raised in a family that uh, basically had a completely vertical integration of uh, livestock production. So we, my grandpa, we used to go to countryside, buy livestock, which would mostly be sheep in those days. Um, we would fatten them in our own feedlot. Then we had a retail outlet in a large city in those days, probably 100,000, 50, 100,000, um, 15 retail outlets. We would sell the sword in the old days, and which was your butcher shop. And I worked in that uh, concept uh, in that business uh, for many years and, I, and actually I ran it when I was in 10th grade and then from education point of view I went to a very um, prestigious school in Iran it was called it was Shaw's school got my bachelor's degree in animal science and they came to came to US to basically continue my graduate education I really did not know what major I wanted to do but I ended up being insane in meat science. So I got my master's from Texas A&M in Kingsville. It's not called, it used to be called Texas A&I. Um, then I got my PhD at Oregon State University, um, did a couple of postdoc and went to um, U.S. Meat Animal Research Center in Clayson, Nebraska as a scientist and continued my research work. All my PhD and, 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 and subsequent work was related to understanding the biology of meat tenderness. What is it that regulates meat tenderness? The objective being use that information to improve meat quality. That way, a consumer will have a satisfying eating experience. Then, in 1993, 
Um, I happen to be the uh, section leader or equivalent of department head at U.S. Mean Animal Research Center that the jack-in-the-box happened in the U.S., which was a massive shock to the system in terms of E. coli 015787. Then I was tasked to work on that. So for, for the next decade or so, I continued to work on meat science through my grad student and postdocs and colleague, and I fo focused on meat, safe, uh, meat safety. In 2008, I joined um, this company called IEH Laboratory and Consulting Group as a person responsible for meat division. So I worked with the meat industry, members of the meat industry, small to large, help them navigate through food safety issue. What are the technology they can use to enhance uh, uh, food safety, to produce the safest food possible to protect consumer and also protect the company so they don't get in trouble. So that's a really long version of yeah. the, what you asked. So. Um, so I can I can see that from a very early age, um, you were exposed to the meat industry, right? Absolutely. In your end. So do you think that that really had a huge effect on, on your career as as to you wanted to do animal science? Maybe not sure yet about meat science, but you knew you want to be involved in the meat industry. I honestly didn't. You know, when, when I came to U.S. in 1978, computer was beginning to be important i thought i wanted to go into that area but i mean you just go back to your roots and somehow I ended up in animal science uh either comfort zone or your roots whatever it is i end up in animal science and i'm glad i did because it's you know you got family ties or background tied to that to that area so um tell me uh, tell me a little bit about your work uh we were talking about uh, earlier before start recording the so our, our audience, our listenership in, in this platform is, yes, yeah, the meat science community, but also we, we try to convey the message and that what's, what's the science behind just slaughter and processing. Exactly. And, and there's a huge impact of what you do. And I, I always like to quote Dr. Calkins and when he said in the very first episodes, the, the processor has the quality in, in their hands so that they have control over that if they do it right right what what are some of from your experience and i know it can be on and on but maybe um some some tips i mean we're talking about maybe h-bone for those folks right. that want to maximize tenderness right um, just small things like that that can so in terms of meat tenderness what we have learned over the years what regulates meat tenderness essentially three things Number one is connective tissue. Connective tissue is a tissue that basically connects muscle to the bone. Function of muscle in an animal is to create uh, a movement. So they create energy. That energy is transmitted through connective tissue to the bone. That's how you get locomotion, right? So the, the more the muscles are using an animal, the more connective tissue they have. And uh, so they, that would be the round cuts, for example. They have higher connective tissue. That's one source of uh, conduct, uh, affects meat tenderness. So the higher the connective tissue, the tougher the meat tend to be. The second factor, we call them sarcomere length. Sarcomere length is basically the functional unit in the muscle. When muscle contracts and relaxes, that's the component. Components of that is when they slide past each other to generate the force that transmitted through connective tissue to skeletal muscle. Well, uh, and the third component is proteolysis, which I'll come back to that. So that very fact that we know sarcomere length affect meat tenderness, for example, people don't know that psoas major or tenderloin, it will always be tender. You don't really need to age tenderloin. And the reason for that is the way we hang the carcasses on Achilles uh, 
tendon, we are stretching that muscle as the, as the animal goes through rigor. So the resting length of a sarcomere length in a, in a, in a live animal is about 1.7 micron, to, uh, two, sorry, two micron. But in a uh, psoas major, once the animal, uh, tenderloin, once the animal gone into full rigor, it's over three micron. So that, mu that, anim that muscle could be, it's tender all the time, and, and actually can say in just about any animal it'll be more tender. So that the, one of the ways to take advantage of this is that if you have room, because it takes um, a lot of space uh, in terms of rail space, is to hang the carcasses by H-bone as opposed to Achilles tendon. When you hang them on H-bone, you put more pressure uh, force on the longissimus muscle. That's where the most valuable cuts are, so you can stretch that muscle. When you're putting pressure on there, as the animal goes into rigor, which basically is exhausting all the energies it has, then the, mu the longissimus muscle gets fixed at a longer sarcomere length as opposed to when you hang the, the carcasses on Achilles tendon. So if you have a small process and you have room, that's the simplest way to do to get a lot of benefit from most valuable cut, cut of the muscle. You know, the, some of the muscle that you get less stretched with H-bone are the, the, the hindquarter muscle, which they, those are the predominant mechanism for that. by our audience tissue. about what you mean by So it. we have, to, so a, um, each centimeter, each inch is 2.54 centimeter, okay? Each centimeter is 10 millimeter. Each mill so you got to go that way I, I, to, to, to calculate, tell you how much of a, how much of a, um, how many inches or what part of an inch um, or how many um, convert micron to. Um, Let me do it. Yeah, why don't you do that? Say, uh, how many microns in an inch? 25,400 microns in an inch. There you go. Write that down. <laughs> but it, but in a way, there is a there is a uh, a sarcomere length effect. Absolutely, it's it's you know that's uh, flat iron is one of those muscles because it sits on shorter blade, it gets stretched during aging. That's why it's tender because it's, it has longer sarcomere. Yeah. So that's a simple thing, a small process it can use to enhance the eating quality of the most valuable cuts, which is the uh, uh, you know, the rib and loin. Now, the third component uh, of, of that affects tenderness is called proteolysis, okay? Proteolysis basically means um, a uh, muscle is like a scaffolding that's put together, right? The key protein that hold that scaffolding together are subject to degradation by an enzyme, which we've been credited with, with uh, showing the role of that enzyme is called calpanes, right? So um, during aging, that enzyme system uh, attacks those proteins that put the scaffolding together. That's how the meat will become tender, okay? Uh, not all the muscles are affected by proteolysis. So some muscles are affected by sarcomere length, more, more by sarcomere length, some are affected more by proteolysis. Some are more by connective tissue. So you do different things depending on what the basis of tenderness is. The sarcomere length one is just like we said, you hang the carcasses differently. On the connective tissue one, you cook those differently to get eating satisfaction. The one that are proteolysis predominantly will be the middle cuts of meat. Then you have to age those properly. So you don't want to consume any of those meats, middle meats uh, till good 21 days 
because if you eat them at one day or seven day postmortem or 12 days postmortem, you haven't given that muscle the full potential to go through proteolysis. So you you want that's why they say age the middle meat for some people do obsessive aging like excessive aging forty two days etc. But you should go no less than twenty one days, yeah. and that aging is all um, uh, almost misunderstood. They think it happen on the carcass. That aging happens at the cellular level. So you can get a piece of meat, vacuum package it. Put it in the refrigerator for 21 days. After 21 days, throw it in, ref- in the freezer. But so you want to keep it fresh for 21 days to get the maximum benefit out of the potential for that muscle to become tender. Yeah. The mission of USMEF is to increase the value and profitability of the U.S. beef, pork, and lamb industries by enhancing demand for their products and export markets through a dynamic partnership of all stakeholders. Simply put, USMEF is putting U.S. meat on the world's table. Okay. And, and we have to be careful uh, because we're talking mainly from animals, uh, European Genetics, right, uh, right. Angus, Red Angus, right. all that, all the, the stuff from, from right. the continental type cattle. Right. Uh, I was talking early today with uh, some of our customers, and uh, in this case, they were in Asia, and and they're just out of the blue. They 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 have some issues right now. There's uh, a lot of people that have uh, have been farming. They have cattle not only in the U.S. but also worldwide that want to start doing some uh they want to process their own animals so they want to do some slaughter and processing because they see more value than just selling their cattle to a a third party let's just a uh, processor so they want to they want to start doing it themselves and one of the things like one of the first things that i asked him so what do you want to do what's your type of genetics would you want to kill today and then tomorrow uh, because you think like just maybe not go too far to Mexico. Uh, pr- primarily, you'll have Cebu cattle down there, and maybe or not maybe if the 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 market first it it won't allow you to keep twenty one days of meat because the market how it works on there they want to have the money quick, but also. You don't you don't have any tenderness benefit if you you do a 21 day depending on the on the on the genetics but that's something to consider because we have some audience also not only in the states so but so else. what what you tell those people the one of the best thing to do the people that do really well is to educate their consumers okay so you can tell the consumer what I'm telling you we're gonna have to sell it to you before it's ready right but you can store it in your refrigerator for 21 days, and then a minimum of 14 days, no less than about 21 days before you use it, before you eat it. And you can eat it before that, but you may eat that muscle before it had meet its maximum potential. So you educate them, and they'll do the right. I have my family, they don't understand these things, but I tell them they do that. <laughs> so, and this, the guys that want to kill their own cattle, one of the biggest things that they need to be concerned about is food safety is that because often these guys don't have the right equipment. If they don't have the right equipment, they don't know what they're doing. They may get contamination of the carcass that create huge food safety problem. 
So I encourage those guys, and I'll be more than happy to 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 uh, help them out, or we can do a session on how to do that. But they need to be very careful when they get into that endeavor that don't create problem for them and, and their consumer. Now, if it's it's okay to kill cattle for your own family consumption, um, you know it may affect your immediate family. But if you start selling, then you create liability for yourself. That with respect to Zebu, actually we did that research um, in the late 80s. Um, Boss Indicus um, has a, um, genetically they are developed to grow in uh, subtropical areas of the world. They have the ability to, disease, uh, to resist a lot of disease that are common in, those uh, in, in, those, in that part of the world. Whether that's the cause or there are there have been selection associated with that, the proteolysis that I mentioned to you, that enzymatic system is not nearly as active in Zebu as it is in British and continental cattle. For that reason, 100% Zebu cattle is uh, could be heck of a lot tougher than you know bad eating experience. Just by nature. Just by nature. There's nothing you can do about it. But if you live in those areas, you got to have that cat. Otherwise, you will not survive. But what we've shown, that there's a direct relationship between percent zebu and meat toughness. Okay? 25% has no effect. 50% almost has no effect. But it's almost a linear relationship. There is an effect, but that's not perceptible. At 75% and 100% is very perceptible. So that's why we say in those parts of the world, use that through genetics. So your cows be 100% zebu, your bulls would be, you know, you do AI or you have other bulls of, of British or other kind of breed. So you have F1, that'll be 50%. That way you don't have negative effect on the terminal crossing, negative effect on meat quality. So that's the way to, to address that. I don't want to... I don't want to go any longer because I know we can go on and on. You bet. Uh, I I I appreciate uh, your time, your you support. There's a lot a lot of content and a lot of articles that you've written that that have impacted a lot of our lives. Um, thank you. And yeah. I appreciate you for that. And thank you a lot. I I, I wish and I think we're gonna do more. Okay. Uh, it's, I'm gonna get some questions from from our audience and processors, and I'll, I'll give them to you. Sure. And we can get maybe part two on addressing because we can talk for hours Absolute. about tenderness and meat quality be yeah. happy to do what i can to help thank you a lot thank you so much thank you guys doing a good job